Welcome to The Key to Carowin, a work of original fiction by Wendy Fair. Key to Carowin is narrated by Mason Fair. Chapter 14, The Basement. A clicking and a scuttling on the hardwood floor of the girl's bedroom summons me once again. I move forward, my steps in rhythm with the girl's wave-like breathing. Another scurry of paws on the floor and the rhythm breaks, the girl's breathing interrupted by a harsh hacking, a sigh and a turning, a whimper of the dog and a scratching at the side of the bed. The girl's eyes open. She wonders where the daylight is. She will not find it here. The dog issues another abstract sound and jumps up to paw at the girl's pillow. The girl takes a stuttering breath. What? A small murmur in the stillness. Answered by a whine, a turn, and a scrambling. The girl groans in response. Fine, I'll let you out. The girl dutifully falls in line behind the dog. It looks back at her often as though it does not trust her to follow properly, and it might have to take measures to see that she does. The girl is led to the back door of the house. It is near the steps to the basement, and she makes a face when she glances down the blackened stairway. The girl pulls the back door open. Hurry up, she says to the dog as she looks down into the deep nothingness of the stairs again. The dog, however, does not stop, nor does it exit the house. Instead, the thing moves past the girl and down three stairs. It stops just inside the penetrating circle of light, then turns to the girl expectantly. You want me to go down there? The girl asks uncertainly as she shuts the door against the breeze that scutters along the floor and bites at her toes. Fine, you go down there. I'm going back to bed. The girl takes two quick steps back toward the safety of the kitchen. The dog issues a small bark and the girl stops in her tracks. Shh! She demands as she looks past the dog and into the deep well that fills the stairway. Another yap and another step down of the thing at the girl's feet. The dog turns and disappears, sinking into the deep blackness of the basement. From its depths, another squeak rises up. Come, the girl says. Her command is met by silence and depthless dark. Stupid dog! The girl turns back toward the kitchen and stops. A groan and a clicking of a light switch. It is as though someone tried to illuminate a cloud with a neon sign. The light bounces about, reflecting and refracting, but never touching or illuminating. The girl strains to see through the fog. A sob rises out of the dim light light that is quickly absorbed by the cement walls and floor. The girl stiffens, a hitch in her breathing and a kettle drum heartbeat. Another whispered whimper from below and the girl thaws. She moves cautiously down the stairs.
I do not know why. What sort of foolishness drives such a creature? What delusions allow her to believe she will escape unscathed? The light does not move with the girl. Does not enter the bowels of the basement. What is there cannot be seen. Does not need to be seen to be known. Fitzwilliam sits at a wooden workbench. Tools lay strewn about him, but it is not these he is looking at. In his hand are pictures, faded and ratty about their edges as though they have been often fingered until they have been rubbed raw. On the bench lies a disorderly pile of papers with scrawls and stampings, letters. A gold chain clings lifelessly to the man's free hand, issuing forth a pendant where it dangles from his fist. The man slumps, holding his head in his hands. The girl moves forward at the sound of the man's crying. Her face twists. She knows men do not cry. She reaches out a hand, but pulls it back at the onset of another racking sob. The girl puts her hand out decisively then, letting it come to rest on the man's shoulder. Fitzwilliam lifts his head from his hands, but does not turn. He merely splays out the small handful of pictures before him. She was so sick by the time she returned home, the man said as he softly touches the pale image of a woman, smiling her soul trapped in time along with the moment. Adeline cared for her day and night, he whispered into the darkness. And for all that, they are both gone. Gone! Her baby was never even born. A sound echoed through the basement then. To say it was a cry of pain would be to sell the thing short. One could use worn-out words like agony, anguish, or torment to describe it, but these words would be sickly representations of the emotion that was contained in the utterance. The sentiment put forth by the man in his conveyance would bring to mind thoughts of hollow, unending emptiness, a void that time itself could not fill. It would call to mind cold space and solid silences where sound and thought do not exist. For Fitzwilliam, it was the embodiment of the demise of life as he understood it. Fitzwilliam remained as he was for some time, a quivering heap of fragmented humanity. A raise of a head, a turning of dull, coffee-stained eyes, a pause, and a reach for the axe on the workbench. Fitzwilliam studied the tool in his hand for several lengthy moments, a last fingering of the pictures, a final tear. The man calms. A serene smile almost lights his features. He stands and stalks determinedly to the stairway, axe in hand. Hey, shouts the girl. Stop, come back, don't. But the man is gone. The girl stands alone, frozen to the cold basement floor beneath her bare feet. The light fades and turns to pitch. 
The girl dashes to the stairs, but not before she snatches the papers and pictures from the workbench. The sun beats down, heavy and determined, but cannot find the girl. She sits, knees drawn up against the world, taking comfort in the shadow of the tree, letting it bend to her form and hold her close. The girl splays out the letters and pictures, pressing them against her knees in front of her face. What are you looking at? Booms the boy from where he stands in the harsh sunlight, squinting down at the girl in the darkness. Nothing, the girl asserts. A snort, a saunter, a grab, a protest. The boy casts a cursory glance at the items in his hand, rifling through them one at a time. Old pictures and stuff, he observes redundantly perhaps processing the information is taxing for him and he needs to think through it carefully. Where'd you get these? I found them in the basement, the girl states. Give them back. Hmm, probably from the people who used to live here before. Useless junk, throw the stuff away. The boy tosses the pictures and letter to the ground at the girl's feet. The boy swaggers off. The girl scoops up the papers, straightening them in a hurried manner. She rushes to her room and into her makeshift hideout, taking the pictures and letters with her. Listening to Key to Carowin, a work of original fiction by Wendy Fair. Key to Carowin was narrated by Mason Fair, with original music provided by Serena Fair. For more information about this and other projects, please visit shifterspress.ca. Thank you for listening.